well, I don't know if I can preach or not. Man, what a tremendous, tremendous time in music. A lot of people think that uh, we plan everything down to the T, and, and Brother Aaron does. I don't. There is, uh, we, we don't say, hey, I'm preaching this, so just sing this song, this song, this song. But I'm preaching this morning on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> I sat there and thought, dear Lord, man, isn't God good? We're in the first chapter of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 19. The church at Colossae was facing a great crisis. The pastor had gone to Rome to see Paul. And to, he writes this letter. There's really nothing in Colossae now. We wouldn't know anything about it. It's just a small town in Turkey now. But uh, except for the fact that Paul wrote a letter to the church at Colossae. I want to tell you, folks, the devil does all he can to deceive. And when a church is doing evangelism and a church is reaching out and a church has good spirit, you can mark it down. The devil will do anything he can to try to disrupt that. It's just going to happen. It's going to happen. But you've got an option this morning, just like you do every morning. You can go with what the devil wants, or you can say, I'm going to stand on the solid rock. I, I'm not going to budge. I'm not backing up. I want to be broken and spilled out. I'd rather be broken to the T and spilled out for the glory of God than walking around in full health doing everything I want to do. The scripture in Colossians 1, verse 19. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant word? Now, take into consideration, I've not preached in two weeks, not to you. I was on vacation, honeymoon, and then we had a special speaker last week. So just, you know, grab a hold of yourself and just sit and enjoy life. Amen? All right. Beginning in verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am also made a minister. Father, thank you this morning. What a blessing to be in this place today. God, would you just continue to let your spirit have control of everything that's said, everything that's heard. Help, help me, Lord, to, to say what you want me to say, and Father, would you help each one in this congregation to hear what you want them to hear? And then, Lord, during that time of invitation, may we be willing to forget about ourselves, forget about anybody else in this building, and just do business with you. Just let you have your way in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. John Newton was a rough, rough, dirty sailor with a foul mouth and an appetite for rotten living. He hated life. Life hated him. He was captain of a slave ship. And then someone placed in his hands a copy of Thomas Kempis's The Imitation of Christ.
He also had the gift of a good mother who had been praying for him, told him about the Savior when he was young, and then he was saved. He went all over England sharing his faith well past his retirement age. He had to have an assistant. That's kind of the way I want it to be, to kind of hold him up at the pulpit. He got to where he couldn't talk or really preach. He just whispered. And one morning he was preaching there, and the assistant, the helper, was, was helping him preach. He would whisper it, and the guy would repeat it. One Sunday while delivering his message, he repeated the sentence, Jesus Christ is precious. And the helper whispered to him, but you've already said that twice. Newton turned to the helper and said loudly, yes, I've said it twice, and I'm going to say it again. Jesus Christ is precious. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is precious. Boy, if we'd have needed information, God could have sent us an educator. If we had a need for technology, God could have sent us a scientist. If we had need for money, God would have sent us an economist. If our need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But every one of us, our greatest need was for forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior in Jesus Christ. Now what had happened here in Colossae, the Gnostics had come in and taken over. Or not taken over, but they were infiltrating the church. And the word Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means to know something. And they would come in and they would say, I know you all doing church over there, but we know something that you don't know. And if you let us come in, we'll tell you what we know. Now, it's the same word also we get the word agnostic from, gnosis. You just put ag in front of it. They don't know anything. But these folks say, we know everything, and we want to come in, and we want to share the secrets. Now, the Gnostics were weird people. They believed all matter is evil. Therefore, man is evil. I mean, if you listen to me. Those of you who have recreational vehicles, you, you bad. Those of you who have a boat, you bad. Those of you who have a television, you bad. Mm. Those of you who are pulling for the Astros, you bad. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God for the Astros. Y'all pray for them, would you? Amen. I tell you. <laughs> so, so God can't have anything to do with people because they're human and they're evil. And so they're, they're bad. So we're droplets. And, and the Gnostics believe that uh, God would put an a emanation all out there. Emanation is a part. And Jesus was nothing more than an emanation. If you would have walked behind Jesus on a seashore, they would have said, there's no, no, no footsteps because Jesus is not really real. It's just open in the sand. They, they denied the substitutionary appointment. They denied that he died on a cross. They denied the humanity of Jesus. They denied the resurrection. And I want to tell you, all of that stuff's still with us today. Now, I don't want to tick you off too much this morning. <laughs> But if you bought that book, The Da Vinci Code, or went to that movie, you've seen that. That's a modern-day Gnostic. That's all that's about. I want to tell you, that tells you that there's something deeper, that you need to get to where you worship Mary. She's the one you worship. I want to tell you, there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't make any difference what anybody says. You know what's amazing to me? It is strange to me. That people will believe something that's really weird. 
And then you turn around and give them the simple truth of the Word of God, and they say, no, I don't want to believe that. They'll believe the weird stuff, but they won't believe the simple truth. Now, why is Jesus so great? Let me give you four things, and I'm through here real quickly. Number one, Jesus is our provider. Verse 19 says that it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. In Him. That means there's a sufficiency in Christ. In Him, the sum total it's saying here, all the power, the attributes, the wisdom, the spirit, the grace, mercy, justice, holiness, creativity, deity, eternality. The, the way that fullness is used here, it doesn't mean that these things were added to Christ. It means they already were with Christ. There was no beginning. There's no ending. All of these things are Christ. That's the fullness thereof, the sum fullness. Now, that's the, the Gnostic view, just like the Da Vinci Code, denied the deity of Christ. But, but uh, they denied the physical side of Christ. But contrary to what the world wants to believe, let me tell you something. Jesus was all God. Let me tell you something else. Jesus was all man. He was the God-man. You say, well, I need to understand that. Well, you'll never understand that. You never will understand it. You're not, you're not smart enough to understand that. His ways are not our ways. He's all of God. If you need wisdom, he's got it in Jesus Christ. If you need knowledge, Jesus. Guidance, Jesus. Mercy, Jesus. Peace, Jesus. Power, Jesus. Strength, Jesus. Deliverance, Jesus. What you need, you'll find in Jesus. You won't have to look any farther. A lot of folk running around trying to have some out-of-body experience to try to get a little deeper with Jesus. All you need to do is get on your face and get in the Word of God and find out who you are as a Christian. Because everything you need is already yours. It's already given to you. You were signed and sealed by the Holy Spirit the day you got saved. He, you're His. The Bible speaks of sufficiency of the believer, but the Bible also speaks of the satisfaction of the believers. All believers have a permanent home. You know, all God is. Man, have mercy. He's, he's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. He's uh, uh, omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. He's immutable. That means he never changes. Life, love, spirit, thrice holy. He has no beginning, has no end. And if you're not careful, false teachers will slip in, even today, and try to say, you know what? We've got a secret knowledge that most of the people in your church don't know about. But we've got this little group that's going to meet over here. And if you'll come meet with us, we'll share our knowledge with you. And you can be as spiritual as we are. Could I give you some advice this morning? Run from it. That's a red flag. You don't need anything else. You need Jesus. That's all you need. Jesus Christ is God Almighty walking upon this earth. And the day you got saved, Jesus came to live in you. Don't waste your time looking around trying to add something to Jesus. You say, well, Brother Charles, but I need power. You got power in Jesus. I, I, I need peace. You already have peace in Jesus. You say, I need to be set free. You're talking about the one who sets people free, and you already have him. Don't be looking around, oh, but preach, I need truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father by the hand, but by him. I need understanding. You have it. What I need, Brother Charles, is some enthusiasm. 
Let me tell you something. I'll just shoot straight with you. If you can't get enthused about a God who would become man and leave heaven and die on a cross for your sin, be buried, and then raised up from the grave and ascend back into heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, coming one day again for each one of us. If you can't get excited about that, there ain't no hyped-up preacher going to set you on fire. You're dead. I mean, you're just dead. You can't get more exciting than that. Well, we rebuke the teaching of the modern Gnostic, stand firm on the teaching of the Holy Bible, Jesus Christ is all we need. He is our provider. But let me tell you what else he is. He's our reconciler too. See, we're separated from him. It's not any cult. It's not any other person. It's not Mary Magdalene. It's not, it, it, reconcile means to reestablish a relationship. Not like the Gnostic way. It, it's way out. God's way out there. Let me tell you, God's not, not way out there. God came to earth, rubbed shoulders with sinners, died on a cross. He took the sinner's place. The God who made it all does want to have a relationship with us. You go figure that out. What's exciting is not only that he reconciles sinners, but the Bible says he reconciles all things in earth and in heaven. Wow. You see, back in Genesis, when, when man sinned and Adam and Eve ate the fruit and sinned, the snake came into existence. And since then, he's been crawling around on his belly. Now, I don't know about you. I've never seen a good-looking snake. I really haven't. Even those who are dead, I'm scared they're not quite dead. I mean, I want to hit them one more time with a hoe just to make sure, just to be sure. I'm not saying, you know why he does that? Because God put a curse upon the creation. God put a curse on that creation. And uh, the whole creation is going to be reconciled. You know, you got lions now, they're eating everything in sight. You got uh, tigers eating everything. You got termites eating everything they can get a hold of. (laughs) Animals, hurricanes, tornadoes, fires. Earthquakes, floods. Becky and I, Sunday before last, uh, went right through Santa Rosa in California, through the wine country there. We stopped at the train at at, uh, Simi Valley and Santa Rosa and those places all in there. And within six hours after we had left, it was all on fire. So, wow, you got all of these things happening here. He's reconciling sinners, but he's also reconciling creation. One of these days, the great reconciler is going to leave the heavens, and he's going to take over things on this earth. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives. He's going to walk across the Kidron Valley. He's going to kick open the eastern gate, ascend the Temple Mount, sit down on the throne of David. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Let the NFL kneel if they want to like that. There's going to come a time when they're going to kneel and bow to Jesus. Every person is. And then there's going to be a millennial reign. And, and I want to tell you, here's the deal. The lion is no longer going to eat the lamb. The lion's going to lay down beside the lamb. 
That's what God's done. He's going to reconcile creation together. The deserts are going to bloom. Not going to be any more polluted water. No more pollution in the atmosphere. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to reconcile all things. Our souls, our body, at the rapture, this dust that was put down in the ground is going to become uh, uh, hooked up to the soul again. The body, soul, spirit, creation. There's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning, listen to me. He's holding out for you who have never trusted him. He's holding out. I think that's one of the reasons that he's not already come back. He's waiting on you to be saved. If you're going to get saved, you've got to be saved this side of the rapture. Or you're not going to make it. You say, preacher, you don't know what I've done. A holy God couldn't love me. <laughs> not only could a holy God love you, he gave his life for you. He died on the cross for you. He's coming again for you. He loves you. He wants to be reconciled. And, and, and Paul says in verse 21, You that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. See, Paul's saying, you Colossian Christians used to be like that. And I want to tell you, if he were here this morning, he was saying, you, all of us, used to be like that. But when we came to Jesus, the blood of Jesus reconciled us with the Father. Alienated means separated. We were hostile toward God. We were against his will. We were against his plan. We were against his law. We were in a natural human born condition. Now, I want to tell you, if you'll just open this book just a little bit, just a, just a little bit, just a little bit, you'll find in this book one of the most joyful things you'll ever read. You don't have to stay the way you were. You don't have to stay that way. You don't have to stay controlled to sin. You don't have to stay like you are. You don't have to be like you used to be. You don't have to be a slave to sin. You don't have to live under the load of guilt. You don't have to live in a miserable cesspool of human misery. You were alienated once. You were enemies in your mind and in your work. But now he's reconciled us to God. How did he do it? <laughs> well, Jesus did it. He's the only one who could do it. He's the God-man, the mediator, the go-between. The Gnostics were wrong. He did leave footprints when he walked on the seashore. Those feet were nailed to an old rugged cross, and the blood dripped down that cross and onto the ground. It was real blood from a real body. And we're reconciled to God because he took on the human form for us. Verse 22, in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. I don't know what your background is this morning, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you're counting on an Episcopal bishop to get you there, you're wrong. If you're counting on a Catholic priest to get you there, you're wrong. If you're counting on a Baptist preacher to get you there, I don't care whether it's Independent Baptist, Southern Baptist, Northern Baptist, Primitive Baptist, Foot-Washing Baptist. Don't make any difference. You're wrong. If you're from that church of the backfired pew jumping so messed up we don't know what we believe but we're happy, you're wrong. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Through the blood of Jesus, that's the only way you're going to make heaven. It's the only way. We're sinners reconciled by a holy God. The blood that was stained on the old rugged cross. He's our provider. 
He's our reconciler. Let me tell you what else he is. He's our sanctification. And that's a word that I'm not real thrilled with, I'll be honest with you. I much more to just skip part three and go to part four with the glorification. But he's our sanctification. You know, there are different levels of sandpaper. What is it, that four off? That's the one that's just almost just no sand, just kind of. And some of y'all good enough that he's just using a little bit of that to make you like Christ. Some of us in this room are hard-headed, bull-headed, wanting to throw a wall-eyed fit. And he takes that heavy grit sandpaper and starts working on us. I don't know, Laura just punched Lonnie there. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> I'm right there with you, brother. He takes that heavy sandpaper and he begins to mold us and to make us what he wants us to be. When you get saved, let me tell you, he did not save you to lay down in the ditch full of mud. He didn't save you to waller around in it. The only way to be holy, the only way to be blameless is to have it through Jesus. Holy translated here, I, I did not know this, I uh, was studying this, translated sanctified, entire consecration to God. Holiness is transferred that way. Now, what you do is, just what I do, uh, well, let me just say what I do. You're more spiritual than I am. Let me just say what I do. I get right with God in this area and say, God, I'm doing pretty good. God says, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Now let's move over here and work on this area. I said, well, God, you know, give me a little break here. I just got through doing this. And I said, no, let's work over here a little while. And you say, Lord, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not bad. I'm not near as bad as some of them I know. God says, hey, you're doing good in that area. Now let's move over here and work on this area a little bit. You see, let me tell you something. As a child of God, we never arrive. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. I don't care how holy you think you are. We never arrive and will not arrive until we get there on that day when he raptures us up. Blameless. We're going to be blameless without blemish. That's the way the lambs had to come. No blemish on them whatsoever. You say, well, how in the world am I going to stand one day with no sin and stand with no blemish? Well, you've been washed in the blood of the lamb. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I was driving home Friday night, and I don't even know the name of the song. I'd never heard it. I'd never heard it. But it was talking about uh, our sins, and we were confessing our sins, and then the chorus came in, and it was the Lord talking to us. And he said, what sin are you talking about? I've already washed that sin away. I have no idea what you're talking about. See, some of us in this room, we're still trying to drag up stuff we did 20 years ago. God can never love me. No, no. when you confess that sin, it's forgotten. It's cleansed. You don't need to bring it up to God every time you pray. He's already cleansed you. And, and we're still dragging up old junk and God's saying, well, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. That's under the cross. It's under the blood. And if you're standing there on judgment day and the devil happened to bring one up that somebody forgot, which ain't going to happen. But if he did, Jesus is standing right there saying, he's mine, I'll take that on me. It's all because of the blood of Jesus. He's molding us, he's shaping us, he's squeezing out some things. I 
shared this morning with a group at Arabella as I was preaching. As a young preacher boy, I was sitting on the front row with uh, Dr. Manley Beasley preaching and a tremendous uh, evangelist and teacher. And uh, Manley was teaching along and he said, uh, what do you have when you squeeze a lemon? Well, my big mouth, I had to say, you have lemon juice. And he pointed his finger and said, you're wrong. I, I, I mean, that's why I got, I'm kind of shy about pointing out anything anymore. <laughs> you know what you have when you squeeze a lemon? You have what's inside the lemon. And see, some of you this morning, God's squeezing you, and you, you're mad, you, you, you're not happy with it. But you know what that squeezing's doing? It's drawing you toward the sufficiency of Christ. And I want to tell you, you're not going to like what I'm going to tell you. But I'll tell you this, if cancer will draw you to Jesus and make you walk closer to Jesus, you ought to praise God for cancer. Because a whole nutshell in this life is that we need to be like Jesus. Whatever it is. You say, I've got this, I've got this nagging woman. She's like a gnat. <laughs> praise God for her. Amen? I mean, praise God. She's drawing you toward the sufficiency of Jesus. How do you do that? Well, through the study of the Word of God, you've got to open your Bibles, guys. Man. I've been sitting half the week figuring out how, to, how do we get people in this church to open their Bibles and get into the Word of God. See, my greatest fear is being pastor here. There's, I don't know, 700 of you here this morning. And I praise God for that. I really do. But I wonder, you know, if some guy came through that door and said, I'm going to shoot every one of y'all unless you get out of here. How many there'd be of us left in here? I mean, are we really devoted to the Lord? I'm, I'm afraid we, we've, we've gotten off target. You, you get close to God by the study of the Word and through our service to the body of Christ. No, I want to tell you, nobody can be properly sanctified unless they're a part of a New Testament church. You hear people say, well, I can serve the Lord and I'll be part of the church. No, no, you can't. The Lord loved his church, died for his church, and if I understand the Bible right, is coming back for the church. How could you be against something that God is so much in favor of? So the study of the Word through our service to the body and then the situations in our life. Hmm. I'm being sanctified. But one of these days, I'm going to stand on that shore. <laughs> and you're going to say, I remember that Charles Hunt. He's not fit to kill. But I'm going to stand on that shore with a white robe, with a perfect body, with a perfect soul, lifting up perfect hands to a perfect Savior. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> he's our provider. He's our reconciler. He's our sanctification. And last thing, he's our master. He's our master. Verse 23 if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am a minister. Hmm. You know what he's saying there? We've got a responsibility to continue in the faith. Don't, don't, don't quit. 
Don't back off. You say, well, what do you? Well, the Lord told a story about two men that built houses, and it could go either way. I've heard it preached before, where the man who built his house on the sand was lost, and the man who built his house on the rock was saved. I personally believe both of them were saved. I believe they're both saved. I believe they both built a, a beautiful house, may have used the same house plans, had everything going their way, but then the storm came. And the one who built the house on the sand lost his house, disintegrated. But the one who built the house on the rock, it stayed. I'm telling you this morning, the rock is the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was built on Christ and the word and the truth and the gospel. And it's not going to be moved away. Did you hear this morning they had an earthquake in Arkansas? 3.6. They were all out in the street, didn't have no shoes on. Of course, that's not anything unusual up there. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. I just want to make sure you were awake. This, this word, when it says not be moved away, is the word for earthquake. In other words, it says don't be earthquake stricken. I was listening to some of the testimonies this morning, and they were saying, man, we began, the bed began to shake, and we got up and got out. You know, that's earthquake stricken. He's saying, don't be earthquake stricken here. Don't let these false teachers come in and shake you up. You're be, you've been reconciled. You're being sanctified. You build on this foundation. Don't be fickled or shaken off or run off. You say, preacher, what could run me off? What could shake my... Let me tell you what could do it. False teaching can do it. I used to listen to some false teachers. And I had the attitude. I'll be honest. This was back when I was young and I knew everything. And I had the attitude that I'm going to listen to this guy and I'll chew up and I'll spit out what's not good and I'll save what is good. And that sounds pretty good. Until an old preacher that was one of my mentors asked me one day, he said, let me ask you a question, Charles. How many false teachings does a teacher have to make before you call him a false prophet? Mm. Well, really one. I'm telling you, folks, be careful who you listen to on television and who you listen to on the radio, who you listen to on the Internet. Because false teachers will come in and they'll begin to erode. If you don't think the devil knows how to prolong and, and come in and slip in when you're not looking, you're wrong. He's had 6,000 years' experience on you, and you're no match for him. Worldliness can shake you. Lust, greed, Ease and comfort, pride, power, family, friends, job. Don't let anything move you away from Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Verse 23 says, Paul was alienated. He was persecuting the church. You remember on the Damascus Road when Jesus struck him there, he said, Who art thou? And he said, I'm Jesus, who you crucified. He said, Why are you crucifying me? Paul said, I, I'm not crucifying you, I'm crucifying the church. No, when you crucify the church, you're crucifying Jesus. And he got right with God. You remember the first question he asked? What, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go preach the gospel to every man on the face of the earth, to every nation. 
There are 256 names given in the Bible for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, I believe that's because he's infinitely beyond all that anybody could name or express. So we're to believe it, we're to receive it, we're to live it, we're to enjoy it, and we're to go out in the world and spread it. There's nobody like Jesus. In Christ, we have a love that will never be fathomed. You can't explain it. You can't explain it. We have a life that will never die. We have a righteousness that will never be tarnished. We have a peace that can never be understood, a rest that can never be disturbed. We have a joy that can never be diminished, a hope that will never be disappointed, a glory that can never be clouded, a light that can never be darkened, a purity that can never be defiled, a beauty that can never be marred, a wisdom that can never be baffled, and resources that can never be exhausted. All this in heaven too. Jesus. 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 Do you know him today? Let me ask you, don't turn him away. Come to Jesus. Let him do the work in your life that only he can do. And I promise you, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting older in my days like everybody else. I've never heard anybody that said, boy, I wish I wouldn't have been saved when I did. That was just the worst decision I ever made. I've never heard anybody tell me that. I've heard a lot of people say, boy, I wish I'd been saved 20 years ago. I wish I could have been saved where I could have done more for Jesus. But I've never had anybody say, well, I, I, I wish I hadn't been saved. It just put a cramp in my life. Yeah, it will. It really will. But you'll find out that it won't be by law of you not being able to do what you want to do. You'll find out when Jesus comes in and takes over your life, it'll be because you don't want to do the things of the world anymore. You won't want to sin You'll want to be drawn closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you let him have his way in your life today? Would you bow your head with me? Father, I thank you this morning for the fact that you became man. You came to this earth and took my place on Calvary. And Lord, you've washed me whiter than snow. And I stand here, Lord, amazed in your presence. Not because of anything I've ever done, but because of who you are and what you've done. There are folks here in this place this morning that more than anything, they need you as a personal Savior. Would you reach down, let your Holy Spirit draw them to you, and then be saved this very day? God, would you have your way? There are others in this place that they just need a refreshing. They need to be reminded once again that you're our provider, that you're our resources, that you're our sanctification, you're our reconciler, you're our master. And we praise you for that. Let me just ask you, every head bowed, every eye closed, you're here this morning, you'd say, I've never had a real relationship with Jesus. Would you just slip up your hand? I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray for you. Just if you, you've never had a relationship and you need Jesus this morning. Would you just slip up your hand? Every eye closed, every head bowed. Thank you. Father, you know every one of us in this room today. All we're asking is that you have your way in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand as Brother Aaron leads us? You come. Just as, just as I am. Come on. Christian, would you lead the way? God's speaking to you. You need to come and pray. Come on right now.
spoken to you now's the day that you need to respond not next week not tonight but right now would you do that
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to take just a moment, just a short moment. <laughs> uh, this is Missions Day. And last Sunday we celebrated Evangelism Day and had an evangelist here. Today we celebrate missions. This church has been involved in missions from day one. And we've, we've done many projects and many mission trips, uh, Kenya, uh, Haiti, uh, Mexico, uh, it's just Louisiana, many, many different ones. On the front of your bulletin are the missions that we support monthly, on a monthly basis. There are others that we support that are not on a monthly basis. Brother Allen's one of them there, a missionary that we use. And, but Costa Rica, we have a missionary family there. Uh, the Philippines uh, have had one there for since before I came here 13 years ago. Uh, Kenya, Mexico, Haiti, Awana Clubs International, we support that. La Familia de Dios, that's our Hispanic mission, actually a church now in Longview here. Uh, Perkins Partnership Ministries, we support them monthly and praise God for the work that's done through that mission emphasis. Uh, the North Texas Baptist Association, Southeast Texas Baptist Area, the Southern Baptist of Texas, the North American Mission Board, the International Mission Board, and, and uh, did I miss Gideon's International? I didn't say that, I don't think, but we support them on a regular basis also. And incidentally, the Gideons were here September 24th, and you gave over $1,800 that day uh, for the Gideons that day. Amen? And that, that buys a lot of Bibles and sends them to a lot of places. So we want to have just a, we want to do two things. Number one, we're going to take up a special offering for missions today. And everything we take up will go to disaster relief in southeast Texas. Because of your generosity already, uh, we have put sheetrock in four different churches. And uh, it's paid for, debt free. Uh, but the biggest expenses, we've got one church there that uh, we're finished with. We put the carpet in this week and it's through. Another one that's probably ready for carpet in the next two weeks. And then we've got two that are just major disasters. But our guys worked on uh, them this week and got sheetrock all in the auditorium, floated and taped. It's ready to texture. And then there's more sheetrock they put down in rooms and all. It's just, a, it's just a great undertaking. So the money that you give now goes completely to the missions there at Southeast Texas to, to help those. There are four churches. There are... Uh, Old Faith Chapel, Inviter. There's Trinity Baptist Church, in 